I'm your host, Philip Nielsen. Today we will read the following lead articles. Hello everybody and welcome to the ninth episode of AINC's Volunteer Spotlight. Today's guest is Philip Nielsen. He started with us in the middle of the pandemic reading primetime news and then eventually he took on the weekly Adams County News, which is cool because that's where I live. And he has been an incredible volunteer. He's got a really, really good voice for recording. And his audio, to me, has always been very good quality. And he always makes edits and makes it sound perfect and very clean. So without further ado, here is Philip Nielsen. Welcome to the Volunteer Spotlight. Good morning, Evan. It's good to be on board with you. Absolutely. Um, so let's start out, first of all, with some fun questions to get the creative juices flowing. What's your favorite um, sporting event? Well, I like to watch the Broncos on TV. I, I have gone to a couple of games, but I need the TV replay. So <laughs> live uh, football is a little faster than I can keep up with. And I enjoy the Rockies. Uh, I enjoy going to the games. In fact, I'm going to go uh, this week to a game and um but again, watching, I'm not a, I'm not a player. I'm not a great sports person myself, but I do enjoy those two sports the most. Absolutely. And the Broncos are starting up this, uh, this Saturday at 10 a.m. So that's going to be, that's going to be a blast. Um, yep. Next up, what is your favorite hot beverage? If you don't have one, that's okay. <laughs> well, well, I do like hot chocolate Me too. and I, I like it with one marshmallow on top if I can get it. Right. That's the way to do it. Much of a coffee guy or no? Uh, well, I drink coffee uh, once a week when I go to breakfast with some other old, I mean, retirees, but typically I don't make it for myself at home. Okay. All right. Let's get into the the meat and potatoes here. So I noticed on your application, you'd mentioned that you had some previous experience doing voiceovers for a different company before volunteering for AINC. So I'd like to talk about that really quick. What was your experience with audio recording and voiceover before volunteering like? <laughs> well, I, I got into it in, in a back, a back, backdoor kind of way. I worked, I worked for a company uh, 41 years before I retired, and they provided security services to healthcare institutions across the country. And so one of the things that I sort of ended up doing at the end of my career was helping develop training programs for those security staff members out in the field about how to use the software we had or record time on their time cards or those kinds of things. And I, I figured out that you could record using a, a software package similar to what we use here at the network and then overlay it with PowerPoint presentations. So I started doing that. And then the, those were, uh, those were video and audio. Those were then loaded up onto the uh, training platform that we used so that people could log in 24 hours a day and take the training programs that, that had been created. I eventually learned that you could record right into PowerPoint. And so I used that software as well, but they were short five, no longer than 10 minute segments with a little quiz at the end to be sure that the student learned what they needed. And I produced probably 20 or 25 of those over the, over the last 10 years of my career. So that's, that's the extent of voiceover. That's pretty cool. And honestly, audio production in Microsoft PowerPoint is re a really underrated feature. It makes me, it kind of brings me back to the days in high school of adding like sound effects to presentations, which actually helped me as a blind person kind of know what slide I was on. 
but it was so, yes, yeah, I can it was understand cool. that. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, PowerPoint is is very visual in it most really people's is. minds. But uh, but if you can if you can figure out the audio of it, then then you can do some things. The other thing that I that I learned using PowerPoint was to record uh, to type in my my uh, narrative into the slides. Then I could print those out and I had a script in front of me so I could keep myself on track with the topic on the slide. And that that coordinated the live voice that I might be using even in a in an auditorium setting or on a Zoom type call. And it it kept the audience in line with what I wanted them to do and kept me uh, to my my time slices and those things. Ah, so you almost made your own teleprompter almost. That's in uh, well, in a sense, it was in paper, but it, it but it it kept you in line, and then you didn't stray too far with the stories or the answers to questions that people ask. Right, because we do tend to do that. I mean, I I'm guilty of that myself. <laughs> especially, yeah, we get excited, don't we? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then you think of something. This happens even as I'm recording. Like you think of a thought, and then like all you can think about is that thought in, in your head, yep. and then it totally just you tune out everything else around you, and it's like you just you hyper focus, and then. You know, once it becomes your time to speak, you're just like, uh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, we say? think we can multitask, but you really only do one thing at a time. Yeah, we're not computers. We don't have RAM and hard drives. Nope. We can't. We cannot alt tab between tasks. Nope. I unfortunately. Nope. Nope. Not at all. Well, how did you first hear about the Audio Information Network of Colorado? <laughs> well, I had no idea it existed until I began to think about what was I going to do when I retired. And I, I had always wanted to do something uh, with my voice. People had said, oh, are you in radio or do you do t- commercials? And I, that was just not the thing I wanted to do for a career. But as I was beginning to figure out what am I going to do with the extra time, I began to search just for volunteer opportunities. And the network came up as as one of those options. And I thought, oh, okay, that that would be interesting. I never knew that happened. I knew you could that people recorded books for visually impaired, but I didn't think about news and and articles. So I simply uh, filled out the form on the on the website and they contacted me and I did my demo recording for them. And they came back with a couple of suggestions and I did it again. And they eventually, you accepted me. So that's how I got into it. Ah, so you had to do a double audition. Sometimes that happens. <laughs> well, it, was, it, it wasn't discouraging, but I knew you were serious about what you were doing. Yes, we do have very high audio quality standards here. Yes. So yes. what was it like when you very first got your, your first program, the Primetime News? What was how did you feel your first time recording? Well, um, I, I quickly learned how to edit myself and um, how to stop recording when I made a mistake or that I didn't like the way it came out, back up and re-record it and then splice it together because you can't just sit there and read for 10 minutes directly. At least I can't without making some opportunity for improvement. Oh, yeah. um, but what I, what I also learned was that it, it's a lot of work to one site read and translate into your voice with some amount of inflection. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, it sounds like the computer's recording it, uh, reading it to you because you become monotone because your brain's trying to do too many things. So it took a little while for me to feel like I was comfortable and actually adding some emphasis to things, pausing at the right place um, to to hopefully engage my listeners, not just 
get through the material. And and that was a learning uh, experience for me, but it, it's been a, a real joy to learn how to add emphasis to your voice without overdoing it. This is not an acting class, but it, it makes you, it, it, I it appreciate how Walter Cronkite got through 30 minutes of news when I was a kid, or uh, Edward R. Murrow on the radio during World War II, which was before my time, but how they could engage their audience with just the voice. Absolutely. And it really does. Tone makes the difference in engagement. Um, And I could definitely attest to, yeah, I've noticed your expression, especially on the personal stories. You definitely add like a lot of flair to those stories. So yeah, great job there for sure. <laughs> well, it, it, when, when there is a personal story, uh, someone's expressing their emotions or their opinions, you, you, I feel like you have to add that as best you can yes. versus just reading a paragraph of, of text. Now I don't try to raise my voice for females and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's not a dramatic reading in that sense, but hopefully the listener who only has the ears available to them can't see what, what I'm seeing. Hopefully it engages them and wants them to continue to listen, to get to the end of the story. And, and, and that's been a, a, a real, it's a challenge to learn how to do it well, but it's also very fun when, when it comes out right. Yeah, it can be very fun. Um, and you, you cold read, it sounds like. Basically, like oh. when you record that the first time reading the article as you record is basically your first time reading the article, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. I have, I have not taken the time to read through the article in my head and then go back and read it audibly. And that's why I called it sight reading. And, yeah. and I may end up with a few more edits because of that, because when you run into someone's last name and you fumble through it, have to back up and re-record it, it, it might've been better if I had looked at it first, but I just, I just enjoy sight reading. So that's the way I do it. Absolutely. So you pretty much like the majority of volunteers do your editing in Audacity, of course, I would imagine. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And it sounded, it was very professional editing. Um, let's talk real quick because we're audio, t- you know, well, I'm in audio tech here and have to know. Um, <laughs> what are you using for hardware? What's your mic and what well, is that? Um, well, I'm, I have an HP desktop and I use a USB port microphone and I can't see the name of it right now. It was like $60, not a, not a fancy one by any means. And I just have it sitting on my desktop in front of me. And I use, I have a fairly large screen and I use that as my uh, teleprompter and, and I can see the audacity controls and those kinds of things. So it's a, it's a pretty simple setup. I'm sitting in a, in a, a bedroom in my, in my home that I've turned into an office with no background dampening equipment or anything like that. I simply close the door and close the windows. And then all the features within Audacity that allow you to control the background noises and things, I use those to clean it up and get rid of all the snaps and pops and things like that. Oh, nice. Absolutely. And this does go to show you can get a great sounding mic for like as low as 30, 40 bucks. Um, In fact, we do have like mics in that price range on our website that we know that we've tested that work. And actually just a little tidbit, the mics we're using in our studios, the audio technica AT 2020s, they're like 40 bucks and they make a USB variant of those too. So wow. I, but I they look like there should be a thousand dollar microphone. They're on a boom. You've got 
foam on the walls. I mean, those those studios look like top notch stuff. You wouldn't realize that a fifty dollar microphone can do just as well as a thousand dollars in in some settings. Yes, and yes, you do have to do a little bit more editing and EQ to make it sound better, but you'll still get a good, clear, crisp recording out of these bad boys. And yeah. all you really need is like a good a pop filter, like that little, the, it's basically the little round thing with the piece of cloth that sits in yep. front of your mic. It prevents all those nasty wind noises. I've talked about that before on VSL, so I won't, I'll, I'll spare you guys the whole rant about audio and pop filters and microphones, but you've all heard it before, so. Well, and they are very distracting when... Yes when they take away from what am I trying to convey? Yes, absolutely. Because yeah, all you can hear is this just thumping and wind noise. It's Yeah, it's a, it's nasty yeah. sound. But yeah, definitely, definitely something I always recommend to listeners. And you don't even have to get a pop filter. You can use like, um, this is technically frowned upon in the audio, audio file community, but you can use a sock. I used to, before I got a, a windscreen for my uh, microphone at home, I just I stuck an old sock over it, and it did just fine. It it did kind of take the top edge of the the treble off uh, out of the recording, but I could edit yeah. it back in in audacity. Yeah. yeah, well, well, and 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 we may be digressing a little bit, but we've we've now identified at the network several possibilities of software that will help remove and dampen those uh, artificial intelligence is one way people are describing it and those those features that we can then put the entire recording through really change the the value of quality in those recordings no matter what you have for filters on your microphones and stuff so the the technological capabilities are making an amateur really sound good right We've definitely been focusing on the audio quality quite a bit. So let's kind of um, back away a little bit. So when you're not volunteer reading for us, what is your like favorite thing to do on your spare time? What do you enjoy doing the most? Well, <laughs> I, I'm a lifelong uh, tropical fish keeper. So I've had tropical fish since I was in grade school. So that I, I have a pretty good sized aquarium in my office and, and I take care of that. And then last summer I, I got ambitious and dug a little goldfish pond in the backyard. So I have a dozen goldfish out there now. So I love doing that. I love to read, uh, check out books from the uh, library consistently and uh, used to read to my daughter and my wife out loud in the evenings as a, as a recreation. So those two things are the things that I, that I have done for many years. Eight years ago, I started, returned to riding my bicycle after college and getting married and all that, that went away. But uh, eight years ago, I went back to bicycling. And so in the summer, I bicycle and in the winter, I go to the gym and then I volunteer at church and uh, go to breakfast with my friends. And I, I'm so much enjoying my uh, retirement time. And yet I don't feel I'm overcommitted. I still can do something if something comes up and I enjoy the interaction with people and the technology. Yeah, you're still keeping busy and getting stuff done. That's awesome. Yep. You mentioned books. So this is totally, what's your favorite author? Well, uh, James Michener, who, who doesn't write anymore, but his historical novels have always intrigued me. And um, Louis L'Amour, Western book writer, again, he doesn't write anymore, but those those old Westerns that he wrote are are very intriguing to me. I tend to enjoy history and I tend to enjoy biographies or autobiographies, learning about the person and their world 
and why they did what they did. The biography gets history and people together. So those I like the most. I don't have any favorite authors beyond that. Okay, right on. I've, I've unfortunately not heard of those, but I like I do like historical like. I'd check them out. Yeah, you know, James, James Mitchell wrote huge, thick books of history. One on Colorado. They're fiction, but they draw on history. And so uh, he was an alumni of the University of Northern Colorado. So the library up there is named after him. Oh, that's super cool. Well, believe it or not, we've almost come to the end of this episode. <laughs> I know it kind of flew by, but. Do you have any questions that you have for me, the audio production technician, or the Audio Information Network of Colorado? Well, I know that it's maybe not a question, but I know that as a as a podcaster, I receive some statistics about how many people listen to the broadcast and those kinds of things, or at least an estimation of that. And I've always assumed that that most of the audience would be visually impaired, like yourself, for example. Yes. But I wondered if the network has any idea if people like who are learning English as a second language or who might be, um, uh, I can't remember the word, when, you, when words are jumbled and backwards and those kind of things, whether oh, yeah. listening while they looked at the document that I'm reading from was a way of overcoming those deficiencies or learning English better. And I just wondered if those kinds of audiences had ever popped up on your radar screen. Absolutely. I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, yeah, because we do serve. We don't just serve people who have you know low vision or are blind. We actually serve everybody that has a barrier to print. So yes, if you are if you're dyslexic, if you have Parkinson's, you can't hold a newspaper steady and it just makes it hard to read. Basically, if you have any barrier to reading traditional printed materials, then you automatic, you totally qualify for our services. And so, yes, we do. We definitely don't just serve um, the community of low vision and blind. Okay, well, I, I because it dawned on me... That, listening to and if they could see the article that I'm reading and have two inputs at the same time, it might add value to them. I had not thought of someone who couldn't hold the paper steady, but that would apply as well. So, okay, well, thank you. That's, that's interesting. Absolutely. Anything else? No, I think that was it. Well, Philip, absolutely, totally appreciated having you on this morning. And thank you so much for joining us for the ninth episode of AINC's Volunteer Spotlight. Definitely hope you guys enjoyed listening to it as much as we did recording it. I personally had a great time. Um, Philip, I, I hope all of your questions and stuff were answered, and I hope you enjoyed this interview today. I did. It was a pleasure to talk to you, even. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, as always. And um, these episodes are definitely going to be coming out more at the first of every month now, which is great. So we're back on top of the game with scheduling. But yeah, stay tuned for next month. I don't know if I want to exactly pump listeners up for this, but um, a few months ago, I had said something about Volunteer Spotlight getting its own, you know, custom intro, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it never happened. Um, so starting next year, um, this show is going to get not a, quite a facelift, but we're going to add some more like I'm going to actually make a an intro um, like myself instead of using something, um, you know, royalty free. So that'll be something to look forward to. 
Anyway, thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening to the ninth episode of the Volunteer Spotlight. I'm, of course, your lovely host and audio production technician, Evan Starnes, and I'll see you next month. Take care and have an amazing rest of your day. Stay stay cool. It's pretty hot out there right now. And go Broncos. Broncos.